0: Perfecta machina. Perfecta
1: machina. Perfecta machina.
2: Welcome to Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media, and focusing on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast, we interview instructors about how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. Welcome to Season 2 of Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina. In this first episode of Season 2, Byron Gilman-Hernandez sits down with Laura Hardin-Marshall and Carrie Nelson to discuss and workshop their syllabi for teaching technology, media, and rhetoric. Topics covered include how to work with different media for student rhetoric projects, resolving technological hiccups, and using classical media technology in the classroom. Well,
3: hello. I'm Byron. I'm here in the CAI lab for a workshop to discuss how we're, divining, how we're designing our syllabi for the next semester. And I'm joined here by the other teachers of the 1900 Media, Technology, and Rhetoric. I have a year's experience. I'm a third-year graduate student here at SLU. I've taught a year and a half worth of 1900, but this past year I've been teaching the Lit course, the intro lit course instead of the intro writing course, so I'm joined here by the other two um, graduate student teachers of the Technology, Media, and Rhetoric course, who are?
4: I'm Laura Hardin-Marshall. I am a first year PhD student in Rhetoric and Composition. I'm just coming off my first year teaching English 1900, but I have taught adjunct English uh, Composition 1 and 2 for a few years before that.
0: I'm Carrie Nelson. I am a first year PhD student, just coming off my, sorry, (laughs) coming off my first semester teaching English 1900, Um, so yeah, that's it.
3: (laughs) All right, so yeah, so I figured we'd start by talking about what we've already done, and what we've already achieved, and what experience we have, because, well, I don't have any for the past year. (laughs) So I'll turn it over to you. Was there anything this semester that you thought worked really well with teaching 1900?
4: Uh, Okay, I'll go. The one thing that I think was helpful, I don't think... It worked well in execution necessarily, but I think it helped in preparing the students for the multimodal project. And that was, I had my students do a recording of their, an audio recording of their diagnostic essays. Mm. So in the, like about the first few weeks of class, they wrote just a basic in-class prompt discussing a little bit about their writing process or how they felt about writing. And then a few weeks later in the semester, maybe about week four or five, I had them go in and do, ideally they were supposed to do some revision, make it a little bit more audio Friendly, and then go in and record them. And if they wanted to accompany that with um, either video or pictures of like their writing space, and so I think what that accomplished overall was let it, getting them familiar with some of the equipment. But the execution was was not quite as maybe what I would have wanted. But I think that also kind of worked well. In something that I can do in the future is to actually ha- make an accompanying assignment that asks them to reflect on like to, like to actually sit down and listen to the assignment and see what they would have done differently about the quality or the structure or, oh you know I'm just clearly reading this off of my original essay and I didn't maybe make the changes necessary to be more appropriate for an audio medium.
3: Right. Actually that sounds like something I already have my students do um, their uh Previous eloquence Perfecta episode talking about my uh, language communities. I have them do it mm-hmm. as an audio project, but that's kind of a, just a tack on at the end. Mm-hmm. Record it as audio. The idea of editing it to be editing it for audio yes. as an element, yeah, and tying I, it into the multimodal. Yeah, project. yeah,
4: ideally they were supposed to make changes to to make it more audio friendly, and I think a few of them did, but. it very, it came off very clearly that most of them just sat down with their essay and read it straight almost exactly from what they had done before, which obviously did not come across as more audio-friendly.
3: And Carrie, we talked about this in the last podcast. Uh, you were all about some of the things that were working, weren't working, whatnot. Anything that uh, when you're writing your syllabi springs to mind you want to keep?
0: I think I want to keep the annotated bibliography and the breakdown of the major projects, which is actually something Laura helped me with at the beginning of semester. Hmm it made them start their projects earlier, which I found very helpful because they would wait up until the last minute, inevitably, of the due date, and then at least this way they had something to build off of, so I didn't get absolute nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, I had some really good ones with people being like, okay, I know I need to spend this much time on working on the audio, or working on the script, or working on the video, and gave them a little bit more room to help themselves Mm -hmm. or sink themselves, but most of them help themselves.
4: (laughs) I'm seeing that a lot. So I did the same thing. I I required them to do a plan of action before they did their multimodal, and I'm seeing it now in their process papers, um, which I'm just now getting to reviewing as they turned their projects in last week. But in their process papers, so far of about the half that I've looked at, many of them have mentioned the plan of action and how it helped motivate them and helped Mm -hmm. them understand what steps they needed to take. Or they would say, you know, I didn't plan this appropriately. Like I had to go back and do a lot of work in a smaller amount of time that I would have liked. So it it gave them an understanding of like these types of projects take more time than I had originally thought.
3: You know, that's one of the things about like how I teach the multimodal project. And there's a lot of discussion about how you grade it and all that. And really treating it as something that's like the inaction of an action plan. I have them write a purpose paper, usually, like one where they lay out, not like the statement of purpose, Mm -hmm. but like a paper where they write out what they want their video to look like, what ideally they're reaching for, what their goal is, Mm -hmm. and the steps they expect to do to achieve it. Then the video, the multimodal project, I always have my multimodal video because I already have an audio and a visual element elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I have them then write afterwards a paper of what changed what went why did i change it sometimes it's because you know i did it and it worked but it looked less cool than i thought it would Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like i dramatically underestimated how hard this is going to be but i never like you know as long as they show up with a video you know Mm -hmm. to get credit because with freshmen sometimes day before i've had a student show up in my office hours and be like just this morning it started desyncing and i can't undo it and i don't know what's going (laughs) wrong and i'm like it's okay it's okay this gives you a lot to write about in your next paper. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, and if they approach it like that, it becomes less like, why do I have to make a video? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do videos. I'm not yeah. interested in making videos. But more about, like, the sort of planning out mm-hmm. your ideas and executing the plan and then assessing how that mm-hmm. plan went. Yeah. So, yeah, so making it more like a process mm-hmm. than just a end
4: Design? Yes, it's about like what what steps and what considerations do I need to take in order to enact this thing, whatever that thing
3: might be. Mm-hmm. And uh I laughed at this, so it probably wasn't picked up by the microphone, but Carrie was uh <laughs> putting at herself for the uh the multimodal me requiring it to be a video. yeah, is that a change you're looking to make next semester?
0: Yes, I would like to do that. I think I'll have to see what my what I end up doing for all my other projects or short assignments, but I had some really kind of subpar in comparison traditional presentations. Mm-hmm. I didn't let them do PowerPoint, but the Prezies were just not up to par with people who did videos or podcasts or someone did. It. I had a Twitter th- feed, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't entirely successful, but it was a valiant mm-hmm. effort. Yeah. <laughs> so those were just far more compelling, and I could tell that a lot more work went into them. So I'm hoping to kind of even things out for the students, so mm-hmm. some people don't take the easy way out. Yeah.
3: Hold on one second. I might. I'll edit this out later, but. Carrie, could you say something again? Say something again? (laughs) This is why you were so quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we've got audio boosting for later. But now that we can (laughs) return. (laughs) It'll go in our this paper. That's perfect. um, Well, yeah, it's always kind of a learning experience. A lot of these tools, I've been messing around with these mics for, oh, Almost two years now, and still sometimes the technology is weird and foreign to me. So, mm-hmm. got to work around it. Yeah, um, I kind of want to include this now because <laughs> a lot. yeah, that was good. That was a good line. Yeah. <laughs> good save. Good save. And also because I kind of forgot where we were. So <laughs> that's a disjunct here. So for me, is there something I want to change? Though uh, one reason I brought this up was uh, so I last time I taught nineteen hundred. I introduced a kind of a attempt at something called the Amulus, mm-hmm. which is an idea I got from Dr. Lynch. And the basic idea is that the amulus is part of the Ratio Studiorum, the Jesuit education plan. That was like the guideline for what Jesuit education is supposed to look like. And the amulus is it's the etymology, the root word of our word emulate, and it means arrival. And in Jesuit pedagogy, students would be assigned a rival who they had to compete against. Mm -hmm. Jesuit pedagogy is big on agonistic competition.
4: I was just thinking that, uh, the agonists. Yep.
3: And it's really... um, So the idea was like, you know, the two students would be constantly put like head to head. You argue this, you argue that. And one of the things was like, you know, if one of you fail, you both fail. You're both tied to each other because you're rivals. You've got to motivate them to be better. Mm -hmm. But we're not... So harsh. I also don't have the, I've got 20 students and I've got 10 A's. <laughs> Not so harsh. But I did have my students respond to mm-hmm. each other. You'd mm-hmm. be assigned an amulus And different steps of your process of writing your paper, your amulus would give a counter argument, And that was tough for students. Mm-hmm. And I feel I need to really explain it because a lot of them really aren't used to the idea of a counterargument at all. Because either they're wrapped up in the idea of the only way we respond to each other is constructive criticism, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a lot of, like, appreciation, here's how the argument could be better, Mm -hmm. here's, like, you know, sort of a peer-review approach, or being really mean to each other. (laughs) And neither of those... No
4: middle ground in that. Neither (laughs) of those is good rivalry.
3: Because, like, I'm, like, talking to students, I had, um, and... An issue I might not do next semester is opening up the topic floodgates to anything. Mm -hmm. Then a student who wrote about abortion, which led to another student who wrote a counter paper on abortion. Oh boy. And there were a bunch of students who were like, Well, I don't want to be arguing pro life. I don't want to be arguing the pro choice side. But I was like, You don't have to take the exact extreme opposite to counter argue something. You could just be like, You know, you have arguments within your faction all the time. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I want to keep the annulus. I like the idea of the Jesuit agonism. I may not be the conflict social justice and rhetoric course, but I still have that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think it's a, an interesting way of how students write. Mm-hmm. I definitely heard from some students it made writing a little bit more stressful, mm-hmm. but it also made it a little bit more real. That it wasn't just, they don't, students don't really care what I think. Mm-hmm. They care about the grade. They care a lot about what their peers think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it did get some students to really look at their arguments more competitively. Mm-hmm. And so I want to do it better by explaining a lot more of what agonistic response is versus, mm-hmm. like, you know, this argument was dumb. Or <laughs> I really liked your argument. I think you might make it stronger by mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, but I want to try that out better. And that's a real focus for my semester.
4: Something that might help with that would be considering it from different stakeholders. So, like, tackling the same issue. But so, for instance, one of my students this semester, her discussion was about a mining project. And, you know, is you know, is the benefit of the mine going and and the minerals and the economic boost that it produces, is it going to be on par with maybe some of the detriments of it? And so I had students within their own arguments consider that from different stakeholders, but that also might work with kind of an amulet thing where you... You, the students are both assigned a similar topic, but they have to take it from a completely opposing, not opposing, but differing stakeholder viewpoints. And so they have to then consider, well, like, what would my stakeholder think about this issue um, as opposed to what a different
1: stakeholder would? Yeah, so.
3: yeah no, I, I do. Um, I mean, we teach audience mm-hmm. and sometimes we teach it more generally, but being more mm-hmm. specific to break it down. But like, who are your audiences? Mm-hmm. Like, who are the people who need to be motivated? I like having my last paper Mm of the semester being something that's, like, carrying your video forward, how you'd promote it Mm -hmm. to people, how you would get this video to the person who matters. And it's interesting because i try to make students think about, like, you know, is your video supposed to go out to a wide student Mm body-like view, or are you just trying to go directly to motivate a couple legislators? Mm -hmm. And I know, because now I remember the topic we cut off on, You're talking about changing from a wide variety of multimodal messages down to one or a few forms. Because I know that's the thing with, like, sometimes people who do the the plurality of approaches, where they ask, like, you know, do you think a letter to your senator would be the best strategy versus do you think, you know, a video to your peers would be the best strategy? Yeah.
0: Well, and I think kind of, like you said, T- we teach the audience, but I don't think I taught the audience directly enough. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple students who had projects that were fine, but did not really fit the audience at all. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of mm-hmm. I don't think they even realized it necessarily. Mm-hmm. And at this point, like I, I think I mentioned it for the, so they put it in their process paper, but it didn't quite work. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
4: I had the same thing where they wrote about it and they were aware of it in in their composition so in the statement of purpose or in the process paper, but in the actual multimodal project itself, that kind of connection
0: to the audience was a little lost.
3: What what do you mean by that? Do you mean like the media they were choosing?
0: Yeah, so I had a student who he worked with technology and fishing so his disalogoi was actually really interesting because I'd never thought about it before. So his Disilogo, statement of purpose like everything was kind of was really interesting and different so I was kind of excited when we got through. He ended up doing a video, but he was his audience, he said it was one of the remote villages who kind of exist and they kind of sustain their mm-hmm. food, I guess, food amount by fishing entirely. And he's like getting them new fishing techniques and this is the benefits and everything, but he wanted them to be the audience. But they're so rural and kind of disconnected from technology that a video... Might not have been the best kind of multimedia mm-hmm. choice, mm-hmm. and I don't think it really occurred to him necessarily at the beginning, so I haven't read his process paper yet mm-hmm. but
3: yeah, and actually, I feel like that's something my um in my very first semester, I let students pick what they wanted they wanted to do an audio, video visual, and most of them went to like a visual project mm-hmm. because video's weird and audio seems like mm-hmm. more effort, mm-hmm. so they made they went to like chart-making websites and mm. made infographics mm-hmm. because it seemed like the easiest option. But I did have enough in that semester of talking, and that, well, I mean, that's why I switched to everybody's got to do everything. Mm-hmm. But I did have a bit in that semester of talking about why you would use one media over the other, mm-hmm. what the advantage is. And I think I might have kind of lost that. That's another mm-hmm. thing. It feels a reminder for me, like, you know, if we're teaching a media technology mm-hmm. rhetoric course to be talking about, so why does it matter? That's a video. Why is mm-hmm. it matter if it's a letter or an audio or go all McLuhan here and talk about why the media is the message?
4: I had sort of a different maybe disconnect that came through in mine. So where the the media itself usually wasn't too much of a problem, but it was what they put in the media. So I had one student who did a presentation and it was supposed to be geared toward preventing or or maybe more awareness about cyberbullying and it was supposed to be a presentation that would be directed to students sort of quite, um, like an educational program or that they would maybe have to sit through but in the presentation it was very statistic heavy it's like well if your if your goal is you know maybe 9 to 13 year olds they are not going to be caring so much about statistics so like the media itself wasn't the problem but what they put within that media so mm-hmm. i had a slightly How different
1: they
4: were using it. yes like the information that you were conveying was not quite Act, in for the the audience that you had said you had chosen. So that's where my disconnect came in.
3: Yeah, and that is a thing. Talking about like info density, Mm -hmm. like students who want to use a bunch of text and numbers and Mm -hmm. figures in their video, and I'm like, you're overwhelming (laughs) your audience. Like, and a lot of times where it's just like they just put up like a flat screen that's like this statistic, and Mm -hmm. like. Do they have enough time to read that? Or are they inclined to read it? Like, you know, that sort of stuff might be really well-suited for an infographic or mm-hmm. different ways you can make statistics presented for a video, but you've got to think mm-hmm. about what medium you're using to mm-hmm. present this information. Yeah. yeah. Makes a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think kind of maybe like you said, you kind of work with, you make them do everything. Mm-hmm. I think maybe for the, my short assignments next semester, I could do something like that. Make them create an infographic. Make them cr- like do the audio recording like you had them do mm-hmm. for their diagnostic, mm-hmm. and then maybe forcing them to do all kinds of different ones, mm-hmm. and then maybe I'll allow them to choose at the end. Then might mm-hmm. be better if they choose an audience and be like, well, now you have to decide. Choose one of the try and choose one of the kind of mediums that we mm-hmm. worked with earlier in the semester and see if they. Will work for your audience mm-hmm. and then if not try mm-hmm. and see if you have something else or why wouldn't they work maybe
3: now that the CAI lab has this whole like wealth of books for like how to do like graphic design and graphic design fundamentals I do want to lean more on like the the infographic side mm-hmm. of things I usually just kind of tag it on at the end like as a mm-hmm. finale thing of create a visual project that could be a letter to your senator or a um, advertisement for your video or an infographic. Like, I've had students, like, um, I had one student whose plan was to, like, get students to watch Blackfish, Hmm. and so her poster, she made a poster for a hypothetical showing of Blackfish on Mm -hmm. campus. Mm -hmm. It was an interesting project because, like, literally, like, a few days before the end of the semester, SeaWorld announced they were ending Orca shows, and she was like... (laughs) well, now my project isn't necessary. And I was like, well, I mean, it's only a hypothetical. It's only for class purposes. You don't have to actually care. Everything's
0: down. ruined. Yeah. I was really passionate. And she, this, this is, I'm actually going to use this.
3: Yeah.
4: The one student who truly cared. <laughs> was truly was... going
0: to use her project and She's put it out there. So
3: literally on study day, I had like a last minute office hours and she was like, you know, what do I do? Because it's not useful anymore. And I was like, "Breathe."
4: We can just pretend that it's...
3: (laughs) Uh, I had an in-class assignment where I made my students make, like, posters. Like, there's, like, let's design a billboard Mm -hmm. to try to cover that sort of multimodal. Like, why would one medium be different for another? And the topic I gave them was, well, you were living in St. Louis at the time, but Mm -hmm. you weren't. But a few years ago, there was a wildfire that was encroaching on a nuclear waste dump outside St. Louis. And Mm -hmm. there was just sort of a... Maybe we should do something about that. And so I like used that as like a topic when it was contemporary the year it happened. Mm -hmm. And then the next semester I did it again because I wanted to reuse it, because it's dramatic and Mm -hmm. you know, talk about nuclear fire and whatnot. (laughs) But like one student was like I googled it and it turns out they already solved the problem, so I don't have to advertise it. It's like, okay, listen up. (laughs) (laughs) In class exercise. (laughs) Still have to do it.
0: This is a hypothetical. <laughs> what is so difficult to understand? Guess, like, I'm going to make up a country. I'm going to make up its, <laughs> its geography, everything according to it, and I'm going to tell you that this is what this what happens here, and you have to avoid Pompeii.
3: Whatever country, <laughs> do it. Do <laughs> Get them out. <laughs> And I was like, that is something I would do. That
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> that would actually kind of that could uh, be fun. How yeah. would you inform the residents of Pompeii Ooh, yeah. to get out in time?
3: To get like an old fashioned multimodal. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like how would stone you do and, it? Stone and to go clay. To your, you have to go to your audience. Like
3: You've got well, mosaics.
0: Yeah. Would you do it in mosaic? Are you going to pretend to be a seer? Are you going to? I will paint a Grecian yourself? urn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that would actually be a lot of that fun for an early That would be super
3: assignment. awesome. God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're far <part>, Cicero. <laughs> I actually don't Go. know the timeline of Cicero and Pompeii. No, uh, I have no idea. One of the Pliny's died at Pompeii, but... Yeah. I hope this doesn't come up on the comps. <laughs> yeah. It will. It will now.
4: Yeah, you have basically guaranteed that this will be on your comps.
3: Trick question. Now I'm prepared for it. Yep.
0: Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what year was Aristotle alive? It's
0: like I uh, gave you a different one. <laughs> you weren't supposed to ask this one. Oh,
3: uh, um, but yeah. But actually, that's one thing for talking about like making use of more of that and having him choose. Timing is kind of a tough question for mm-hmm. me. I've been, like, writing up my syllabus, and this time around I'm actually going to do the... Because I did it for Lit, because I needed to have what page numbers they'd read at which day. Yeah. I wanted to have that planned in advance, rather than, oh, we'll finish this book around then, so that they can just look and know what the reading yeah. assignment was. So I've got, like, the honeycomb of every date and whatnot.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: And I want my major writing assignment a few weeks in, Because I like to have a week where I just have conferencing with them very (laughs) early on.
0: I definitely want to do that. Yeah. um, (laughs) That that was missing from And
1: I really recommend, if you
3: need, like, just a random assignment, language communities. Have them find a word. Because it's really easy to get them to start, like, you know, tell me more about this Mm -hmm. thing you do. And some students are always going to be like, well, it's a thing I did in high school and I really, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But some students, like, you really get them going about, like, you know their hometown
1: mm-hmm.
3: and talking about like, how would you use this word? Where do you use this word? Mm-hmm. Like what does it, what it means to me, what does it mean to you type stuff? So mm-hmm. that I felt was really good for conferences, but you know, I've got a week, then two weeks for their Dissoid Logoi, cause I like to have it due just before spring break. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I really want them moving cause I've got, you know, five major writing assignments and their multimodal project. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure there's enough time in between them. So have you guys put any thought to, like, the deadlines already, or...?
0: The way I did schedule this semester was I did all of my minor writing assignments, like the short writing assignments at the beginning. So I had pretty much every week for five weeks, they had an assignment due. And then they had a response to someone else's assignment due. And then I just went into the major assignments, like the logo, the Statement of Purpose, the kind of multimodal deadlines and all of that. I didn't, I had some short homeworks in between them, but I didn't do, I guess I haven't, I don't have the major kind of writing assignments in the same way that you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I have very like small stakes, like an article response
4: or things like that diagnostic essay and the diagnostic recording, something that they, it's can be done in a relatively short amount of time. So mm -hmm. nothing high stakes so much until the disilogoi gets started. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I don't lean as much on short writing assignments mm-hmm. as, like, the, the Paul I did. I, I got mm-hmm. the idea to use a blog mm-hmm. from um, former graduate student Seth Strickland. Oh, um, i try that. Yeah, I did it through whatever, back when we all had Google accounts. Mm-hmm. Google had Blogger, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's Blogger mm-hmm. or Blogspot. I think they might be the same mm-hmm. thing now because Google owns both of them or something like that. Um, the one with the big orange B. Um, And so I had a blog for my class, and I'd have, like, a topic, and they'd have a week to respond. And it'd just be like, you know, give me, like, a status update. One of the tricks I learned from Seth was you put, you start, like, blog posts will be, on at will be about 400 words. Mm. And then you say, well, this one will be 200 words. This one will be, like, 300 words. This one's a short one, just 100 words. So you always just round down. Mm-hmm. Instead of having yeah. it, you have the occasional four hundred, but certainly not the usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but do that every week, and mostly grade it on completeness rather than mm-hmm. yes. anything. Yeah, not did you do it? Or,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: but yeah, but stuff like you know, tell me a little bit. Like I have my students write write an introduction, mm-hmm. like introduce yourself to the class, mm-hmm. write a little bit about your progress, mm-hmm. or like gimmicky stuff. Read these two articles, write a response, mm-hmm. or interview a professor. And give me some feedback about, like, you know, like somebody in your field. Mm-hmm. I've heard from people, they don't, there's actually some people, like, when I was an undergrad, I had to do it, and it was, like, really awkward and all mm-hmm. that. So I can get why that one doesn't have traction with everybody, but I actually mm-hmm. really liked it, because there was a bunch of students we were talking about, they really sounded like they had really good meetings mm-hmm. that really, like, helped clarify their focus, mm-hmm. which is, I think, important for freshmen.
4: I had, this was later towards, toward the end of the semester, it was with their, it was after the Disway Logoi, so it was kind of gearing up to the Statement of Purpose and the actual multimodal project. I required them to do an interview with someone relevant to their topic. So ideally a stakeholder, but you know, someone who could tell you more about like, what are their interests as an audience or what are the things that they care about so that you can help tailor. So that went off really well. And I think a lot of them utilized some of that information in their actual projects so that went that's something i plan on continuing as well
3: that was one of the things i was thinking about for theming my course this year is a lot more uh geo rhetoric like location rhetoric and talking mm-hmm. about like uh the rhetoric of spaces and like maybe require them to have their project either be set in st louis or possibly like an exception for their hometown because dealing mm-hmm. with freshmen they might not know yeah st louis too well And that might be an advantage of, like, you know, find something that has at least a stakeholder in your immediate environment that you can find or call somebody Mm -hmm. and interview them as part of your project. And also a thing for scheduling, just to bring it up, going a little long, but starting, I want to say, April 7th, the Saturday of April 7th. So April 9th will be the Monday of the week for scheduling. April 9th or 10th, if you're a Tuesday, Thursday class, Mm -hmm. will be Atlas week. Mm. which is a thing a lot of grad students don't really know about. But it's a week-long series of events of, like, talks, and they show videos, and they do a lot of stuff about sort of international issues. And it's got a big bend towards social justice and how students can get involved in issues. Mm -hmm. And I want to try to push to get the English department and the writing program more involved And I'm thinking, like, how can we turn our ocean of students in the Mm -hmm. 1900 course towards it? And the obvious easy way is... Make them. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Atlas Week has a passport. You get, like, a little booklet full of things, and at every event there'll be something you can stamp your booklet for going to things. And, like, you know, you have to go to so many events or extra credit for if you've got a completed, like, a a well-stocked passport or something Mm -hmm. like that. But I was thinking, you know, to be more... Charitable to them, to rather than like it's mandatory or whatnot, or try to use the carrot, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, here's some extra, extra credit. credit. Is there a mm-hmm. way to incorporate it into our classes? i have seeing blog posts right away, but looking at my um, schedule, where I have hypothetically my multimodal projects to be due would be Anything. during Atlas Week, mm-hmm. um, which was just a coincidence. I did it yeah. a punch in Atlas Week later, and I thought, oh, okay, but it's around the time April ninth. It's the thirteenth week of class, if you count spring break as a week of class. It's the week right after Easter break and first full week after Easter, I should say.
4: Is the, are the events or kind of the the things that will be going on during Atlas week, is that... Information available online well ahead of time.
3: Yes. So Um, you could
4: have like students, you know, look forward to these are things that are going to be topics of discussion during Atlas week. Maybe base your project either on something similar or something related. Or so you could have them kind of look forward, Mm -hmm. like look, project to Mm -hmm. the future, you know, okay, what's going to be on? I have to do something in that vein. And then that could kind of
3: maybe spur participation. That
0: helps restrict their topics as well. mm -hmm. I think you might get some of that competition.
3: Atlas is already, usually Atlas, uh, we plan a um, is mostly done in the semester of Atlas Week. Mm-hmm. But this semester, they have really pushed it to be, like, to be start earlier. Mm-hmm. And we already have a theme. From broken walls, we build bridges. Out of conflict rises communities. Mm. Bit of a mouthful, but um, <laughs> as a theme, it's pretty broad. And we're the focus seems we've got, as a, the guest speaker, is David Miliband, former British uh, foreign... He, he had a hire. Position um, of some kind. But he runs a currently is uh, some non profit NGO about refugees. So there's a real refugee focus with mm-hmm. Atlas Week. And I feel like the whole broken walls and whatnot has an obvious mm-hmm. resonance too. <laughs> yeah. Um. A lot but of current events. Yeah. Maybe. So
4: maybe facilitating something like where does technology fall within conflict and community, or you know, so something within that could be kind of the theme for your particular course, and then you know, saying here's this. Here's this event. Here's this situation that you know we are going to tie into. Or we are going to f- at least follow closely. So you don't necessarily have to go there. You don't have to do the events, but they're at least going to have a higher awareness of it. That would maybe encourage them to go without yeah. and it could necessarily be a, a resource. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Too. Mm-hmm. Like if
0: you end up getting a little bit stuck, here are people who are involved in kind of a connection to mm-hmm. the theme for our course that if you need to interview someone or you're kind of stuck on who you want mm-hmm. might want to go to or how you might want to present this. Yeah, Find an article be, from
4: that person. Go yeah, to their
0: website. They mm-hmm. might be a good resource if they have some kind of space where you can email them or on campus or something you like know, I that. I
3: do know one event. I don't know when the deadline for events cut off, so I don't know how early we'd have mm-hmm. the list of all the events. But one of the things I know they always do is the engineering program has, like, a competition mm-hmm. where they have, like,
4: is that the boats? No, the boats. No, okay, <laughs>
3: okay. We will I've win seen. I've seen the boats. Is, okay. when, it,
0: when is the boats?
3: I'm gonna guess when it's warm enough. To put a boat out on the Sulu <laughs> boat. But
0: I mean, I mean I people that,
3: still do boats now.
4: I was gonna say. I think it would be better. It's more incentive if it's during the freezing cold.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. You better not think. <laughs> yeah, you had better but, not uh, The actual. Tangent. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> but the actual. Um, engineering thing for atlas mm-hmm. is they have like a um they present like a situation and they're like try to engineer a solution mm-hmm. to that and i think there's a yeah. cash prize for mm-hmm. like good ideas mm-hmm. i think um they're trying to they they did something that actually i think became an actual kickstarted project with these like little lamps that were these portable cheap lamps that have like kind of a, a lampshade thing that could mm-hmm. be like compressible With an LED, Hmm. I don't know about that. But I know there's also some other engineering projects. like something with, like, water stuff. That was, like, a former SLU student's project.
4: Like, sustainability thing? Yeah, and they
3: do a number of sustainability engineering things. So to tie in technology to it and to look at engineering as, like, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: part of our concern with rhetoric and, like, technology rhetoric is to look at how we use and how we understand technology and how Mm -hmm. it informs us. And maybe that could be a good Mm -hmm. tie-in to that.
4: And it's rather apt that the sustainability department is right across from where our classes are, right? Yeah. <laughs> where is the sustainability department? Across the hall. Oh.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's always It's always locked. You see people mm.
0: putting a little code in. And
4: yeah, they they've it got a keypad. But yeah, so one of my students, her project was about inefficiency of recycling for, from this semester. And so I kept kind of nudging her. I was like, oh, well, who's your stakeholder? Who's your interview going to be with? The sustainability department's right across the hall. I don't think she ever did, but I kept like plugging in. I'm like, come on they're right there! So. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
3: Well I think that's been a really good talk about sort of the ideas. There's a bunch of things to like rolling in my head for like revision and new things to cram in. I'm just hoping I have enough weeks to fit all the ideas now. But yeah so we recorded this at the end of fall semester and so I'm looking forward to we've got Christmas break to put together our syllabus <laughs> and see how that turns out. But. Lauren Carey, thank you very much for coming on, Mm -hmm. and uh, thank you all for listening.
2: If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, to share an assignment or tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Nathaniel Rivers, at nathaniel.rivers.slu.edu.
1: Quentia perfecta ex machina.